What a joy it is to be back from vacation. I, some of you may not have known that I was uh, away for two weeks, but uh, some of you have. And, and um, I got the great privilege to go with Steve Horrocks up to Canada to go uh, fishing. Um, and uh, we did a lot of fishing, not a lot of catching, which was kind of <laughs> tough. But um, it was still a lot of fun. The scenery was beautiful. Let me show you a couple of the fish that I caught. That's one of them there. And uh, so that's a beautiful coho salmon. That's a chum salmon. That was a big one. And uh, you see the joy on my face? That was real. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, I only caught four fish in like six days, and, and it was tough. But I had a great time. And then I came home and didn't even leave the airport. Rochelle met me at the airport. Then we flew to New York, and we went on a fall cruise, a cruise to see the fall colors. And, uh, and I got a couple of pictures from Bar Harbor, Maine, uh, we went on an electric bike ride, and, um, and so there are some beautiful uh, pictures of the things that we got to see when we were away on vacation. I just wanted to share that with you, and, um, because it was such a fun time, and I'd love to tell you all about it. Um, but while I was gone, I know that the people that came and preached did such a great job. I was able to listen, so Jim, thank you so much. I don't know if Jeff, Pastor Jeff Amenis is here, but he preached a great message on, on rest and the, the illustration with the cake recipe that was right on. Thank you so much. Both were amazing. So I appreciate the fact that you guys could stand in my place here and preach. And then for the staff that filled in all of the gaps to the staff at the church here, a big mahalo to you as well. So grateful for each one that, that uh, put in some extra time that, you know, I could get away. And that was a lot of fun. And um, while I was away... Um, in Canada, actually, the, the news broke of the, the war that has, you know, taken place uh, in, in, uh, in Israel. And, and I thought, man, it'd be so good to address this issue in the church so that we can talk about it and, um, and, 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 and get some perspective on it. And so today I'm going to jump out for a Sunday from the series that we've been in on the blessing of inconvenience, or although war is very inconvenient. <laughs> but uh, we're going to jump out of that series and, and just look at this for, for today and as we talk about it. And um, if you were like me, and I, I was only able to catch a, a, a bit of the news um, while we were away, and, and all the news that, that I did get was devastating, right? The, the, the war, devastation. And, and whenever things like this happen, it just seems so far away. But I want you guys to know today that, that this war that has broken out is closer to us than, than we may even realize. And now there's two really big wars out there in the world. And there's, to be honest, there's more than what the news is saying. I just did a quick Google search on countries at war, and, and there are quite a bit, actually. But the two that you hear about is the war in Ukraine and, of course, the war that's just broken out in Israel. And, and the reason why it's closer to us than you may realize is because some of the refugees of the war in Ukraine, when they came through San Diego, some of you opened your home to them. And some of, you, and some of them even showed up in our services. And that's how close that is to us. And we know that because war has taken place and you've seen the devastation in the cities where buildings have been blown up, homes are no longer there. 
right? Generations of people, both in the Ukraine and in Israel and, and the Palestinians, they have been displaced and forever impacted. Forever impacted. Because war is devastating. And again, we watch it on TV. It's, it's, it, it's a world away from us. It doesn't, we don't feel the presence and the impact of that, but it is real. And, and yet, so the question is then for all of us here today, how do we respond to that? Right? What is, what is the thing that, that we do so far away? Well, the, the, the natural response of the church is, well, we need to pray. And, and, and we do. And at the end of our service today, I'd like to invite you to come and join me at the altars and, and uh, at the front of the church for a time of prayer. Because prayer is important. If you believe in prayer as I do, then I pray that you come and join me as I pray. Another thing we can do is give, and, and we have given. Um, I was gone, but I believe last Sunday that offering was taken for, that will be given to Nazarene Compassionate Ministries to be sent along. And when the war in Ukraine broke out, this church generously gave $10,000 to, to, to that effort. When the fire happened in Maui, this church gave $5,000 to help uh, with that. And I'm not sure what is given for this war in Israel, but we can give as well too. So we pray, we give, and we learn about what's going on so we can pray even better. Know how to better pray for what's happening. And the only way that we learn about these things is we watch the news, right? But everything in the news comes to us through a political lens. And that's not precisely what I think we need when we learn about this and what's going on. So today, I want to take a look at what's happening through a biblical lens. And because of, of that, um, and we're not in our uh, sermon series on the blessing of inconvenience, looking at this through a biblical lens, we're going to run through quite a bit of the Bible. So today, you, you're, you're blessed in that I'm going to put the Bible verses back up on the screen for you, okay? Just so you know. <laughs> you can thank me later. If, you're, if you've been a part of our uh, Wednesday night groups that have been meeting, and, and, and I, I, I want to just tell you how wonderful that has been. Um, we're going to do this every spring and every fall. It's called Dish.com. And, and, and it's a... It's a great journey of study of God's Word. This, this go-around in dish.com, uh, we've just read through the entire book of Genesis together. And as we read through the entire book of Genesis, we got to read about how God got started in this world and then the formation of God's people, the Jewish people, in the nation of Israel. And the, the reading plan that we, we selected and went through um, was a reading plan called Jesus and All of Genesis. And it was so beautiful and amazing to see how Jesus is interjected all throughout 
Genesis and, and, and the, the narrator of the app that we were using did such a, a great job. And when, when we read about Jesus through all of Genesis and the formation of the kingdom and, and the nation of Israel, we see the connection that we have because we're followers of Jesus. And through all of the readings that we have, for those of you who, who are in dish.com, you, you, you probably recognize this but I will share it with those that are not. Two major themes come through the readings of Genesis, and not just Genesis, but throughout the entire Bible. The two themes that just jump out every time we read is, number one, God is faithful. And I think we should all say amen to that. And then number two, that mankind is not. It's true. And those are the two big themes that, that was just the overarching message of as you read throughout the, the, the creation story and then all the way into the story of how the nation of Israel were, was formed. That God has always been faithful and people have been unfaithful. And this was a cycle of events in Genesis and as you read throughout the Bible and even Till this very day. Because what is happening today is a direct result of humanity's unfaithfulness to God's plan. And, um, and so what I'd like to do is just begin in Genesis and highlight and chronicle the faithfulness of God. And look at how everything leads up to what's going on today. So, you know, in Genesis, God created the world and everything in it. And as God creates the world, he begins with his faithfulness stamped on humanity and in all of creation. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 28 to 30, it's going to be up here on the screen. Look at that. It's there. Read along with me. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God says, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seeds in it. And they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath in it, I give every green plant for food. Everything that I have created, God says to Adam and Eve, I am giving it to you. Wow! That's, that's, that's a blessing. God gave everything he created to Adam and Eve. But in Genesis chapter 3, we read about the unfaithfulness of humanity. Adam and Eve were given everything. That's what the Bible says. And then they were deceived and convinced that they needed more. More than everything that God has given them, they were tricked into believing that they need to be like God. And so, Instead of obeying God's plan, they disobeyed God. And the unfaithfulness of Adam and Eve began the unraveling of all of humankind. All of mankind unraveled. When sin entered into the world, the impact of that is felt 
to this very day. We are all born with this sin that has been passed down from Adam to every single one of us. And as we read throughout the Old Testament, this pattern that's forming that is the downfall of human civilization when we reject God's plan and choose to do our own thing. When we are unfaithful to the plan that God has for us. So what I'd like to do is just kind of chronicle that as we go throughout the Bible, right? We see the, the pattern beginning with Adam and Eve and it continues to their children, right? Cain and Abel. If you have read your Bible, you know the story of Cain and Abel. Um, the pattern of unfaithfulness just comes alive in, in, in their lives, in their story, where death comes into the human story as Cain kills Abel. And, uh, and, and, and even through that story, when you read the story about Cain and Abel, and, and when, when God intervenes, you know what God does? God still blesses Cain, right? Cain's fearing for his life, and God said, okay, no one will hurt you. And, and this, even despite his sin, God's blessing came upon Cain. And you read further into Genesis, into the story of the Tower of Babel. This is early on in, in Genesis. People continue the pattern of unfaithfulness in that they do the same, the same unfaithfulness. They want to be just like God. The same sin of Adam and Eve, wanting to be like God. Let's build a tower so, so we can be like God. And, um, and the Lord struck that down. And, and you know the story of the Tower of Babel. Made everyone's language change. And then... If you read further on, the Lord's, it says this, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become. <laughs> he could barely find a single person that was faithful to him. Despite the fact that God created everything and he has been faithful, the pattern of unfaithfulness continued to grow in so much that no one in the human race, the Bible says, was faithful to God, except God finds favor in, in Noah. And you know the story of Noah and the ark? God sends a flood, but spares Noah. And, and you might think, oh, how is that faithful? Well, God could have wiped everyone out. But instead, God chooses to start again and start afresh, and start anew, because he cares so much, he doesn't want to wipe everything off the face of the earth. He's still faithful to the plan that he had for Adam and Eve, that he would, would have his character reflected through them into creation, and that he would partner with his people to bless the whole world. And so, coming out of the story of Noah, and the flood, and starting over again in Genesis 12, God calls Abram to continue the relationship that he had and wanted to start with Adam and Eve. And so, in Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abraham, and, and listen to the passage here, in Genesis chapter 12. The Lord had said to Abram, 
Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God's word. When you, when you read that from our perspective in this day, looking back on history, you see how faithful God has been. He's kept every single word of what he has promised to Abraham. In fact, as you read further in, Abraham, uh, in, in Genesis, God promises Abraham in Genesis 15, 5 and 6. This was one of our memory verses. So those of you who are in dish.com, you guys will recognize this verse. Say it with me. No, I'm just kidding. We're good. <laughs> he, he took him outside. He looked up in the sky and says, count the stars if indeed you can count them. And then he said, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord and he, it, it was credited to him as righteousness. Again, God, from our perspective, looking back into history, did God live up to his word? Has God been faithful to, to Abraham? That, that your descendants will be as many as the stars in the sky? Yeah. You see, over and over and over again, we see God's faithfulness continue into everything that he has said. But as you read the story of Abraham's life, Abraham's story perpetuates the heartbreaking theme of unfaithfulness to God. And added to the unfaithfulness of humanity is the impatience that people have with God. Over and over again, we read about how people are plagued with impatience and unfaithfulness to God. So, Abraham and Sarah, or Sarai, Abram and Sarai, God promised them to be a great nation through your offspring. And through you, there will be as many as, as, uh, as stars in the sky. That, that, that's what he said to them. And they waited for this. And sure, they waited a long time. But they couldn't wait for God. They grew impatient. And you know the story of what happened? Abram and Sarai got so impatient, Sarai says to Abram, we can't wait anymore. I'm getting old. Take my, my, my maidservant and, and start the nation that God promised through Hagar. Was that God's plan? Absolutely not. See, when, when, when we take things into our own hands, that's when things get messed up and messy and fouled up. Our unfaithfulness to God and his plan shows how impatient we are. And Abraham, Abram and Sarai missed the mark greatly. So Hagar bore Abram his first son. His name is Ishmael. And this is the biblical account of God's word over Ishmael. In Genesis 16:12, he will be a wild donkey of a man, and his hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him, and he will live in hostility 
towards all of his brothers. The Jews, they trace their heritage all the way back to Abram. Muslims trace their heritage all the way back to Ishmael. And from the very beginning of the, 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 the time when Ishmael and Isaac came into the earth, they began to war with one another. And that war continues to rage even till this very day. The two tribes of brothers have been warring. And the descendants of Ishmael are the Islamic nations and groups that are warring with Israel right now. And so from this one incident of impatience and unfaithfulness, are the far-reaching consequences of the sin that has entered into this world and the consequences of people's impatience and unfaithfulness to God has been shown through the generations since the Bible till this very day. Another example of humanity's impatience and unfaithfulness is when Moses leads the people out of Egypt. You guys know, most of you know the story, right? As God leads Moses to lead the people out of Egypt, what does God do? God shows his faithfulness to care for his people, to raise up a leader, and, and God sends the, the ten plagues. The last plague breaks Pharaoh's heart, and, and, and the people, God's people were in in, in slavery for 400 years and finally says, go. Pharaoh says, go. And as Moses leads them away, God shows his faithfulness. Again, the pillar of fire parting the Red Sea. The people, the gods, the Israelite, the, the, the Hebrew, the Jewish nation, they saw all of this. They saw it with their own eyes. God's faithfulness. But when they finally get to Mount Sinai, and Moses goes up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. Do you remember what happens? He takes a long time. That's what the Bible says. They can't wait. They're impatient, waiting for Moses to come down. So what do they do in their impatience? They become unfaithful. And in their unfaithfulness, they gather the gold, they melt it down, they build a golden calf, and they worship that instead of the God that led them out of slavery for 400 years, that, that sent the plagues, that put the, the pillars of fire, that parted the Red Sea, God's faithfulness shown again and again and again. And so with unfaithfulness and impatience comes consequences. And Moses had to lead this group of people through the desert for 40 years. I think that that was God's way to teach patience <laughs> to the people. <laughs> You're going to be impatient with me? Let me show you what impatience feels like. Go roam the desert for 40 years. You read the Bible. They come back and gather up again. They're about to enter into the promised land that God was faithful to give them. But they didn't have enough faith to enter it. And so you know what God says? All right, let me show you again. <laughs> Here's another 40 years. And so, 
the impatience of people is seen so clearly that people become impatient and there's consequences to impatience and unfaithfulness. And after you get through that part part of the Bible, you read through the rest of the Old Testament and through every generation. You know what you find? God's faithfulness. Beautifully at work. As, as God sends prophets and people to call His people back into a right relationship with Him. And as you finish out the Old Testament and you get to the New Testament, you finally see God sending His own son, Jesus, into the world to redeem people back into a right relationship with God. But do you know what you find in the New Testament? You find the same pattern of people doing their own thing. And the unfaithfulness of humanity springs up again as the God's own people rebel against the Son of God, falsely accuse Him, arrest Him, beat Him, and condemn Him to death as they crucify Jesus on the cross. It's just a continuous pattern of unfaithfulness that we've seen over and over and over and over again. And does God give up on people? Does God say, ah, I'm going to throw in my towel? When you read about some of the stories in the Old Testament, sometimes it seems like it. Right? But even here, does God give up after they crucify his son on the cross? The answer is no, because God is faithful. And his faithfulness continues in that after Jesus, he, he gives us his, his divine Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit resurrects Jesus' body from the grave. And Jesus appears to his disciples, and then he says this, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit so you can continue the work that the Father gave me to do, to reconcile the world back to him. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 through 10, hear the word of the Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And while they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And since Jesus' ascension, the followers of Jesus have been waiting for his return. And each day that goes by is a day closer to Jesus' return. And today, I dare say this, that we are in a very similar place to where Abram and Sarai were. We're in a similar place to where the, the, the Jewish people were at the base of Mount Sinai. We're waiting. We're just waiting 
and it's been taken it's been a long time and we're still waiting and while we're waiting during this time we come face to face with things like war tragedy happens in in our lives there's brokenness there's death we wait and wait and wait and we ask jesus When are you coming back? We've been waiting for so long. When are you coming back? It's been a long time. And here, if there's anything we can learn from all the lessons in the Old Testament, if there's something that we can take away from today, it is this, that God remains faithful. God remains faithful, church. Jesus will return. He said it, and I sincerely believe it. The Word of God says it. And what Jesus does so beautifully is He prepares us for this time that we're living in right now. Today, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to read Matthew chapter verses chapters 24 and 25. Matthew 24 and 25 helps set the stage and prepare us for the times that we're living in right now. And I'm going to just share a little bit with you, not the whole thing, but a little bit with you so that we can prepare ourselves for what God calls us to do. Jesus prepares his disciples to wait, to learn, and to be faithful. In Matthew 24, verses 6 to 8, hear the word of the Lord for us today. He says this, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdoms against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places and all these things are the beginnings of birth pains. It's amazing, right? But these things have been happening all throughout history. It's not just now. And Jesus tells us in Matthew 24 and 25, No one knows when that time will come. Not even the sun. But watch for the signs, he says. And you can read about them. And then he gives us three parables to prepare us. And in these three parables are the three themes, the three instructions that Jesus has for his people. And the three things he calls us to is this. Number one, be patient. Number two, be prepared. Number three, be faithful. In Matthew 24, 42 to 51, this is the parable of the homeowner and the thief. Listen to what Jesus says here and see if you can't find these three themes of being patient, being prepared, and being faithful. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. 
If the owner of the house had known what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time. It will be good for the servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose the servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And he begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And an hour he is not aware of. And he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. Where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See that parable? Do you hear the message of patience? Do you hear the message of being prepared and staying faithful? This is not just a one-shot deal because you turn the page and in Matthew 25, Jesus gives us two more parables and these two parables you're much more familiar with. The parable of the ten virgins. Five of them prepared. The other five unprepared when the bridegroom comes. And what was the problem with the bridegroom coming? Do you guys remember? It took a long time, huh? And they had to wait patiently. But be prepared, because those that were prepared were able to go into the party. Those that weren't were left out. The next parable is the parable of the gold coins, where the master comes and he's going on a long journey. And he places coins into his servants' hands. And while he's gone, his expectation is to be prepared. And it even says the master was away for a long time. Be patient and be faithful. Those three elements, those three themes are repeated again and again and again so that his disciples won't miss it. And we should not either. We, we, we really need to look at what Jesus is saying here, especially during these times. To get it right in our hearts. To make sure that we don't make the same mistake that Abram and Sarai makes. And we don't make the same mistakes that the Jewish people made at the base of Mount Sinai. Of being impatient. Being unfaithful. And being unprepared. So as your pastor, during times like this, in times of war, Jesus said, don't be alarmed. Be faithful. And know that God is faithful. So in these days, when war is raging, 
my call to our church for us today is to be reminded that God is faithful. And none of what has taken place has taken him by surprise. That's good for me to know. So let us live our lives to be patient, to be prepared, and to be faithful to the call of God for who we are in this church. To continue to do the work of the church in taking the gospel of Jesus to those that don't know him. To continue to reconcile the world back to God and to live out the great command that Jesus gave us to live out. To love God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. And to love our neighbor as ourselves. And to fervently pray as God calls us to. And so today, as we close our service, what I'd like to do is to invite you to stand with me, first of all. Make it easy. And for you to join me in prayer. In praying for peace for our world. That God would truly, truly help those who have been warring in Ukraine for, for years now. And the war that has broken out in Israel. That's closer to us than you may even realize. And, and in doing so, to be reminded that, that he is faithful. And to thank God for his faithfulness. And then, to get our hearts right. To pray that God helps us with our impatience for his return. And to help us to be prepared. And if you need to get your heart right with God today, this is a good time to do it. And to ask God, help us to be faithful in these days. I'm going to stand here at the front of the church. And if you could and would like to join me right here, would you just join me by standing? I think the altars will be a little too small for all of us. But come forward and join me in this time of prayer. And as we finish, I'll breathe a prayer for us all. And then we'll receive the benediction. But I invite you to come and join me in this time in prayer. Heads and join me in prayer. And if you're standing in this congregation, reach out and Grab a hold of the person's hand beside you as a sign of unity. And for those of you who are standing here in front of me, make sure you touch someone and reach out as we pray in unity together today. With unified hearts, Heavenly Father, Mission Church, your people come to you today thanking you for your faithfulness to us for your faithfulness through the generations, Lord God, as we have chronicled your word and we have seen again and again the pattern of faithfulness, Lord God, that you have expressed and displayed through the generations, even till us today. And we are so grateful. We sing of that, Lord. We sing to you when we say, Great is thy faithfulness. And Father, forgive us 
for the unfaithfulness, Lord God, that has been exhibited from the very beginning of time till this very day. Even into our own lives, Lord God, we confess that to you. And we ask, Lord God, for your forgiveness. Where we have fallen short, Lord God, where we have sinned, where we have turned our backs from you, Lord God, we repent. We mourn that, Lord, today because we see the devastation of unfaithfulness and impatience with you warring, Lord, throughout this world and even in our own lives and in our families. Oh, Father in heaven, we need you today more than ever. And today as this church, Lord, as we pray, we ask, Father in heaven, with united hearts, that you would redeem us, Lord, back to yourself. That we would experience, Lord God, a, a, a brand new fire that burns in our own hearts because during moments like these, when crisis comes, people turn to you. And may we do that, not just now, but help us, Lord God, to truly, truly be faithful. To be prepared, Lord God, in our own hearts because we don't know when you're coming. All the signs point to it, Lord God, that you'll return soon. Help us to be ready. Help us to be patient, Lord God, in the waiting and not just do our own thing because it's been a long time and you're coming. But Lord, help us to be faithful. Oh, Jesus. You have shown us the way. You've taught us. You've, you've taught us again and again and again. Help us, Lord God, to be prepared for your return in our own hearts. And then, Lord God, burden us for those that we love, Lord God, who are far from the kingdom, our own children. Burden us, Lord God. to fervently pray for their salvation, to do all that you have called us to do to reconcile those that we love back to you. Help us, Lord God. Help us, we pray. In all that we do, may you find us faithful, we ask in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen.